Father, thank you so much for this opportunity for us to be together. Lord, I pray today that you would touch us, touch our hearts, touch our eyes, and Lord, that when we leave here today, my I ask, Lord, that we would do this word, that it would be something that compels us to do what we've heard today. And Lord, I just believe that that's possible. Lord, equip us to be able to answer questions that our culture is asking right now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, have you ever noticed how two people can look at the same opportunity, the same thing, and see completely different things? You see, how we see what we see is so important. Let me say that again. How we see what we see is so important. I had a, an event happen to me a few months ago. A guy that helped Sherry and I in our ministry, he called me and he said, Jimmy, I need this particular picture of you. And I knew the picture. It was a performance picture. And, uh, and so I knew, I knew the picture, but I knew what that meant. Then I have to go back to Dropbox and go through thousands and thousands of pictures to find that particular picture. And in doing so, I came across two pictures. One was of my daughter, Amanda. And we have that picture, if we can throw that up there. She was eight years old. It was her birthday. She's standing in the kitchen of our little farmhouse, and she's holding a teddy bear. And the other one was of my son, Jason, and he's about six years old, and he's playing on the floor of a little four-room house that we rented, playing with a toy. And I kept on scrolling through picture after picture, and all of a sudden, I hear this voice in my heart that says, Jimmy, how did you feel when you saw those pictures? And I immediately knew how I felt because we were living in, you know, almost abject poverty. You know, we were nearly homeless all the time and food was sometimes optional. And so the, the emotions in my heart that came up when I saw those pictures were immediately, I was grieved, I was embarrassed, all of the things that go along with those things. And then all of a sudden I heard the voice speak again and say, Jimmy, you need good eyes. So say it with me. I need good eyes. And I was reminded of a passage of scripture in Luke chapter 11, verses 34 through 36. It reads like this. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is bad, your body is filled with darkness. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. If you are filled with light with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. Jesus here speaks to us about our eyes. Are they good or are they bad? And when we look into our future, what is it that we see? Do we see opportunity? Do we have faith? Are we fearful? Do we see failure? What, what, you know, how we see what we see really makes the difference. And when I saw these pictures, I completely overlooked the wonder of those moments. I didn't see my, my baby daughter, eight years old, holding a teddy bear on her birthday without a care in the world. I didn't see my little boy playing on the floor of our house, just being a little boy and having a good time. I completely overlooked the wonder of it because all I could see was the bad in my, in my view. You know, we do this all the time because the way 
<coughs> excuse me, <coughs> the way that we see things isn't necessarily really the way that they are. How we see things are really our own perception and don't really necessarily include God's perception. Now, some of you, <coughs> excuse me, today you won't, you won't go past the next three points that I'm going to make, and that's okay, because if the, one of these points apply to you, then just grab a hold of it and take it home and do the word. Number one, today it's possible for you to heal your relationship if you would begin to stop seeing your spouse in a bad light and begin to see them in a good light. If you would begin to see the good things in them instead of all the annoying things, you know, sometimes, you know, as a husband, I get under the annoying and I can, you know, I can annoy my wife. We, Sherry and I used to do a lot of marriage counseling and couples would come to see us and I'd give them homework. I'd say, okay, for the next seven days, you can't say anything negative to the other one. And the girls would be there going, I got nothing. I said, okay, just tell him he has good toenails. You know, I know he leaves them all over the house when he clips them, but just tell him he's good. Just start somewhere and start sowing that seed. Number two, today you could start healing your relationship with your children. If you would begin to see the good in them and speak to that good and begin to build that good up. You know, I, I know, and you know this from your own experience, you can probably go back to every single moment in your life when somebody saw some good in you and began to speak to that good. They began to verbalize it and say, you know, I see this thing in you, or are you just so good at this? And every time that happens, that emotion burns into your heart and you remember it forever. Your kids are waiting for that affirmation in that moment where you're not always correcting them. And yeah, you have to correct your kids, but you're also building them up. And number three, today many of you would start healing yourselves if you would stop the self-talk of condemnation over your own life. Amen? Self-judgment is maybe the worst judgment that there is because we're harder on ourselves than we are on anybody else, unless you're, of course, in denial. <laughs> but remember, how you see what you see is so important. And that, that prompted a couple of Bible stories for me. In 2 Kings chapter 6, there's a story about Elisha and his servant. In 2 Kings 6, 17, it says, And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. Now, the story is this Elisha and his servant were, were staying in this cabin. And the servant went out in the morning. And when he went out, there was an opposing enemy army that was completely surrounding them. And he was completely overwhelmed, and their, their intent was to kill them. And he came back to Elijah to tell him all he could see in his view was disaster. All his life looked like was, it is over, there's nothing left. And that was his perception. 
But what he needed were good eyes. He needed eyes that could actually see from God's reality about his situation in his life. And so Elisha prayed for him and said, open his eyes. And he was open to, you know, he then began to see the real reality of what was going on in that particular moment. Whenever we're faced with failure, whenever we're faced with what seems to be insurmountable you know, odds against us that we're being attacked, we need good eyes to see beyond what is our perception and to really embrace what is God's perception. Another Bible story is found in Numbers chapter 13. There were 12, 12 men, one from each tribe of Israel, that were selected to go into the promised land. And here was their commission, 1318. See what the land is like and find out whether the people there are strong or weak or few or many. Twelve people, same commission, all saw the same thing. <coughs> they all experienced the same thing. But, but some of them had a different view. And you know the story, 10 of them came back. And the Bible says that they had an evil report, or they saw with bad eyes. And only two had a good report. They saw the reality and said, okay, we're more than able to go take this land. God is with us and for us. And they were the only two families out of the millions of Israel that actually got to live and experience the promised land, Joshua and Caleb. We need eyes that have eyes for the promised land, that have eyes for the promises in our lives, that we're not looking at those things that oppose the promise, but we're looking at those things that we see the promise. We see the reality of the promise. We see the reality of, with, our, with the eyes of our heart, we see the reality of what our future is. How do you see those promises in your life? Are you full of fear or are you full of faith? Do you have expectation or are you blinded by the opposing force that's against us? Another Bible story is found in John chapter 4. And this chapter may be my, one of my favorite stories in the whole New Testament. In, in John 4, 35, Jesus is talking and he says this. You know the saying. Four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around, for the fields are already ripe for harvest. And in this story, this is an incredible story, because Jesus, being a Jew, is on a journey. And the fastest way for him to get to where he needed to go was to go through Samaria. But the Jews didn't go through Samaria, because they hated the Samarians, even though they were Jews. They didn't call the Samaritans a nation. They called them a herd. They typically referred to them as dogs. And rather than go through the country of Samaria, the Jews would always travel around it the long way. But one day Jesus is with his disciples and he says something that just irritates them. He said, I must go to Samaria. And he goes and he finds this well. And he sits down on this well, and the disciples go into town to buy lunch. You know, they're going to buy some sandwiches or something, you know. And uh, I'll, 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 go, I'll stay on the story and not say what I was going to say about the sandwiches. But anyway, <clears throat> and this woman comes out of the city at noon, and Jesus says to her, give me a drink. 
And this starts this incredible dialogue with this woman. They, she, he talks to her about the gift of God that he is. They talk about worship and how to worship and how that the Father's looking not for where you worship, but that you worship in spirit and in truth. They go in this incredible conversation, which is really one of the most contemporary conversations in the Bible for our time right now. And Jesus is just, is just so incredible because of how he treats this woman. They talk about all kinds of things, and then Jesus says, well, go get your husband and bring him back here. And I can, I can you, ever, you ever picture Jesus just grinning? You know, he's like setting her up. You know, he's like, he's like you know, I'm, I know what I'm getting ready to do. And he's just grinning. And, and she says, well, I don't have a husband. And I can see him just kick back and just enjoying this conversation so much. And he says, you're right, you don't. You've had five, and the guy that you're living with now is not your husband. And she's so, you know, so incredible, and she continues the conversation, and she says, you know, we know that when Messiah comes, he's going to answer all of our questions. And Jesus does something so incredible, talking to this woman in Samaria. He says, I am Messiah. And in this story, Jesus blows up culture. He blows up religion. He, you know, Jesus is good at blowing stuff up, not in like a terrorist kind of way, but in a, in a religious terrorist kind of way, you know. And he's talking to her, and you know, it's, it's such a controversial thing. The disciples come back from town, and they see Jesus talking to this woman, and they're like, what's he doing talking to this woman? Why is he talking to her? And I always wonder, it's like, what's the deal with that? Well, Wells in that time were the place where people went to hook up. And Jesus is here talking to this woman, and the disciples get all angry because he's talking to her, and they bring him back his lunch, and he says, you know, I don't want that because I have food that you know not of. And in this story, Jesus teaches us some things that we need to know and how we need to be in 2018 America. In talking to this woman, he completely blows up sexism. He reaches right into the heart of the culture and rips this thing out and speaks to this woman with the value and the dignity and worth that she is due as a child of God. He speaks to her in such a way that she's never, ever been talked to before. Nobody's ever treated her the way that Jesus treated her in this conversation, and it completely revolutionized her life. Jesus, in this conversation, he speaks to, to the reality and the blight of racism. He goes against the culture of that day, crosses the border into Samaria with an intent and purpose, and he, and he has no disdain because of her cultural image and the image that's been implied on her by the culture, and he speaks to her like she's never been talked to before. 
May you and I be those people that are not influenced by our culture or by our religious culture, but may we be really the representative of Jesus that as we walk into situations like that, that we begin to see the value in those people. Now, have you ever, do you ever, if you don't read your Bible, you should read your Bible this way. Now, I'm not saying you don't read your Bible, but if you don't read your Bible like this, you should start reading your Bible like this. And that is, when there's a story like this, you need to put yourself into that story. You need to take on one of the characters of that story and begin to use your God-given imagination to just begin to feel what it was like, begin to sense what it was like. And so for us today here in church, If we put ourselves into this story, we would be the disciples. The disciples probably passed this woman as they went into town. But they didn't see what Jesus saw. They didn't have the eyes that Jesus had. This woman, she's talking to Jesus and she goes back into town and she's telling people in town... All this stuff that Jesus did, she says something that that just terrifies me. She says, come see a man that told me everything that I've ever done. It's like, I don't know about you, I don't want nobody telling everybody everything I've ever done. (laughs) The disciples went into town. You know, the result of her telling all these people is that all these people from town came out. And they saw Jesus face to face, and they even compelled him to stay there in that city with them for two days. And the Bible says that many more believed because of him being there. But the disciples didn't see that when they were in town. They didn't see any of that because their eyes were blinded by culture and religion. And we can't be that culture, that those people that are influenced by that culture We have to be those people that are allowing the reality of who Jesus is in us. Christ in us. Everywhere we go, we have the opportunity to release that attitude. Or I look at it as that aura. You know how Peter, they said that he had this thing on him that his shadow, when he he went into a town, they'd line sick people up so that the shadow from the sun of his shadow would fall on them and they would be healed. Well, what makes you think that you're any different than Peter? That when you walk into a situation that there isn't this aura or this attitude that comes out of Christ in you that reaches out to these people who've never heard anything about the love of God, who've never experienced anybody who treated them the way that you and I treat them. What a magnificent thing. You know, people ask me all the time, they say, Jimmy, when you go into Sturgis and some of these bars and things that you go into and you you do what you do, how much persecution do you get? And most of the time, my answer disappoints them because I say, none. And they're like, well, you must be compromised and compromising or something like that. It's like, no, here's, here's the deal. When you love people, when you respect people, When you show dignity to people, when you speak to them about their value and worth, there ain't nobody on the planet doesn't want to hear that. 
anybody in the planet that doesn't want to have somebody in their life that talks to them like that. We all hunger for that. You know, I'm, I'm convinced that we need an army of prophets right now to raise up. And I'm not talking about that funky old crazy Old Testament style kind of charismatic prophet. All right? Because we live in a new covenant, right? So we have good news as our message. And the law of the govern, governing of prophets in the New Testament is their ministry is to be based on edification, exhortation, and comfort. And we need an army of people with edification in their mouth, with exhortation, with the ability to build up those that have been tore down and comfort for those who are hurting in our culture. And if we are those people that have that message in our mouth, it's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be beyond all that we could ask or think because we live in a cultural vacuum of people that are devoid from hearing anything good, especially about themselves. Jesus said to the disciples, he said, you say four months and then come harvest. But I say, look, see, because the harvest is right now. Now, in just a few minutes, we're going to leave and you're going to go on your way and you're going to do what you're going to do. And you're going to have the opportunity to see something in people with good eyes or bad eyes. I was invited to be part of a prison crusade in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, the UP, a few years ago. And I was, we, Sherry and I were working with a big ministry, and, and we'd go into a state, and they'd bring about, we did it in Georgia, actually. We came to Georgia, and they brought about 100 of us ministers, athletes, comedians, speakers, different people, and we did every prison in the state in about 10 days. And we were up in the UP doing this crusade, and I went and got to the hotel and went to check in, and one of the organizers came to me and said, Jimmy, we're having some budget issues, so we, we need you to room with somebody. And I'm like, <laughs> I said, okay, you need to understand that I'm not a good roomie, okay? But I just have one rule, and that is if I have to sleep in a room with a snoring man, Ain't nobody sleeping. I'm waking that dude up. Man, I ain't laying there all night listening to this cat snore. <laughs> so I, got, I went, got my key and went to my room to meet my roommate, who happened to be a convicted double murderer. <laughs> I figured that dude can snore all he wants to, man. I ain't waking him up or nothing. <laughs> Three days later, they had pity on me and got me a room, you know, by myself. But this guy's name was Frank Sherry, and Frank had taking a bunch of drugs one night and he thought his town had been invaded by aliens and the only weapon he could find was a claw hammer and he took to the street with it and by the time they subdued him there were eight men down and two dead wow. he was in the county jail waiting for a sentence and one day he got a visitor the sheriff came in and said frank you have a visitor he said who is it he said well it's the widow of one of the men that you murdered, and she wants to talk to you. And he went out and sat across the table from this obviously very, very destroyed widow. And she began to talk to him about the man that he had murdered. She said, Frank, she said, my husband was a good man. And he was a great father. 
He was a great husband. And she said, Frank, my husband was a believer in Jesus. And he followed Jesus. And she reached down beside her and she pulled out an old worn out Bible. And she said, Frank, this is my husband's Bible. And he read this Bible every day. And she put it on the table and slid it across to him and said, Frank, if you'll read this Bible, it'll change your life. And Frank took that Bible back to his cell and began to read it. And within just a few days, he was born again. He went to Bible school while he was in prison, got a degree in theology. When he got out of prison, he married a girl named Ruth. And Frank and Ruth and this widow would travel together and talk to groups like us about the reality of forgiveness. Now, that's some crazy stuff right there. But there was something in this widow that saw beyond her own personal pain, beyond the reality of the pain that this man and the evil had put on him, on her life and her children and her grandchildren. She had eyes that saw past all that and saw something in him that was of value, his soul. And she began to speak to that and to feed it. And Frank went to heaven a few years ago from a disease he contracted while he was incarcerated. You and I have the opportunity to influence people around us. You know, if you've been around Sherry and I at all, when people ask us to describe what we do, we simply say, we have the ministry of showing up. And the, the equation is Christ's in us, where we go, he goes, and where he goes, stuff happens. And it doesn't matter, you know, we've got such this, the whole thing of evangelism is so broken in that we think that if we don't just pray a prayer with somebody, we didn't actually do anything. But that was not the model that Jesus had. I'm, I'm all for that. You know, that's how I came to Jesus, you know, I'm all for that. But everything that we do in interaction with people that don't know Jesus has such a dynamic impact on their world. If we'll but carry the good news in our mouth, let the countenance of God's love and mercy shine forth from our faces, every person that we touch is a valued individual that Jesus thought worthy of enough to die for. And we have that opportunity to be able to give him to those around us. And I don't know about you, but that's just so exciting to me. It doesn't matter where you go. You know, I'm going to be in the airport today. It was horrible yesterday because <laughs> I didn't realize this was like one of the busiest travel weekends of, of the year. You know, I figured next weekend would be, but this weekend was. It would have been real easy for me to get cranky or hangry. <laughs> but we have to realize that there's people and they're hurting, and they want somebody to see some good in them, to have good eyes, and to see past that. You know, for Sherry and I, somebody saw into the chaos of our lives and simply just invited Sherry to come to church. 
And that was what made the difference in our world. Somebody saw through the mess, through the anger, through the abuse, the fighting, the substance abuse, all of that stuff, and just said, I'll give you a ride. I'll never forget it. Sherry and I, <clears throat> Sherry and I she was invited to go to this church, and, and I had stood her up on a date and showed up about four in the morning, and the only way I could get her to let me in, it was raining, and I had my car broke down. I had to walk to her house in the rain, and and uh, the only way she'd let me let me in was if I promised if I'd go to church. <laughs> and so this lady had invited her to go to church, and the name of the church I'm not making this stuff up was God's Sheep Shed, <laughs> where all the big sheep and the little lamb get fed. That was her marketing tagline. And they showed up with an old Ford station wagon. So all you millennials, I'll describe what that is. That's that thing Clark Griswold drives in all those vacation movies. It looked kind of like that, except it was blue. And, the only, and so I was extremely hungover. And the only seat they had for me to sit in was that one in the back that looked out the back window. <laughs> I was not a happy guy going to church, but, but something happened. People happened. Jesus happened. Somebody showed up and had eyes that could see something good in me. And you know, it's just like that in your story too. There was somebody in the way on your journey that just said, man, there's something in that. There's something happening there. I know something's going on in their hearts. And they just stepped into your world and took you by the hand and led you to a place where Jesus became real. What an opportunity that we have to be able to be alive and to be able to share and to do all that we do. What an incredible thing for all of us. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, may our eyes be open. May we, be, may we see good. Lord, may we be those people that, that are awake and alert and see the opportunity and the value in the people that are around us. And Lord, may we speak with a prophetic edge of edification, exhortation, and comfort. And may we minister to those folks right where they're at in a way that they receive and understand and may it make the difference in their life. In Jesus' name, amen.